This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello and happy Halloween from Dojo Live this October 31st. 2023. My name is Kim Lantis, and it's my pleasure to be hosting today along with Rebecca Santa Cruz. Hi, Rebecca Hello, is everyone. a community, community builder. Hello, community builder and no code enthusiast. And she's going to help co-host because today's guest, the most important person of the show is Josh Haas, who is co-CEO of Bubble. Hi, Josh. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you here. We're really excited today because what we're going to be talking about is empowering entrepreneurs and creators and how by building powerful digital products through nothing other than no code. And we're hoping to answer this question of how can no code make it easier for people to create and drive more innovation. But before we dive into the topic of no code specifically, we'd love to get to know a bit more about you, Josh. What's the Josh story? What's your passion and sort of what's led up uh, to co-founding and co-CEOing Bubble? Yeah. Uh, So I got into technology at a pretty early age. I wanted to build video games and got pretty obsessed with like learning how to code. And I had a sort of a computer game um, company with in in middle school. Although we uh, we never moved a single uh, unit, we just you know built a bunch of games. For I each absolutely other. love it. Yeah, so that was kind of like my early introduction to the the tech world, and I sort of just kept it up as a hobby. I, I didn't really have professional ambitions. I majored in philosophy. I worked in finance for a couple of years, but I eventually uh, decided that like I wanted to create stuff, right? And I saw you know a lot of really cool stuff happening in the technology and entrepreneurship space. Um, I had been working for a hedge fund in Connecticut. I moved to New York City and started exploring um, the tech world. And I ended up getting recruited to be a technical co-founder to um, like by uh, this guy, um, Jody, who was I think a very typical no-code founder back before there was no code, someone who has a clear vision for what he wanted to create with software, knew a ton about a a specific domain. He he was a professional image uh, keyworder, which is a field that um, I hadn't even, I didn't even know existed before I met him, but really working like in the stock photography space. And he had an idea for a better piece of software than what existed on the market. It was looking for um, an engineer to help him build it. And I signed up for the ride. I was, you know, at a very open-minded point in my career and willing to explore. And we we built a, a product together. And unfortunately, the business itself didn't succeed. Um, and one of the reflections I had as we were talking about, like, well, winding it down or next steps, you know, he, he wanted to sort of continue pushing on the software. I was uh, looking at like my bank account. I was looking off savings from my finance job and sort of watching trend in the wrong direction. Um, so one of the things I kept on circling around, I was like, you know, what, why can't he do this himself? Like what, why does he need me as an engineer to help him? Because he's very, very capable of saying exactly what he wanted the computer to do. Right. I was almost forming a translation layer between him and the machine. And 
you know, translation and some level is kind of mechanical. And if it's mechanical, you can teach a computer to do it. And that's how I had the, the idea for, for Bubble. Um, and really, I just started building it because I had met a bunch of other entrepreneurs while we were doing this startup in New York and sort of saw that there was like a real need here, not just you know, this one person, the co-founder I'd worked with, but um, the larger entrepreneurial space, um, there's just so much demand for people bringing their visions to life and not enough engineers to go around to, to sort yep. of meet that demand. Or money for that matter, I'm sure. You yeah. know, keep it in the black. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Absolutely. it. So at the highest level, I mean, we, we got into a little bit about what Bubble is accomplishing, but who are you? What's the problem that you're solving exactly? Yeah, so Bubble's mission is to take anyone who can sort of articulate what they want a piece of software to do, you know, may sketch out like what the user interface should look like, describe what happens when a user, you know, clicks on a button on the page, um, give them the language to express that directly and turn it into a working software product. So not like a prototyping tool, not like an MVP builder, but actually build real software and have that software scale all the way to production, all the way to, to IPO for them so that they can really become their own technical co-founder rather than being reliant on um, on others to, to help uh, make that come to life. It's absolutely fascinating. You know, I know Rebecca as a no-code enthusiast. You have a lot of questions lined up and we're really excited. But let's just take it back to the basics before we get into the, the weeds here. Uh, in terms of this empowerment, uh, can we go dive into that just a little bit? Um, who are you empowering? Anybody? Or is there a specific niche or a business vertical that the no-code market is best suited for? Yeah. So, I can tell you where we started. I can tell you where we're going, right? Um, where we started was very close to my own background, like non-technical entrepreneur, someone who wants to found the next, you know, call it Facebook, call it, you know, Airbnb, call it, you know, Uber, call it Kickstarter, one of these like big, like sort of platform companies. Um, we want to let sort of a non-technical person build that, right? Um, where we're going is, Anyone, primarily in the business world, although we have, um, you know, a bunch of nonprofit users, which is super exciting. We have people who use us for like personal projects, which I also really like. But primarily in the in, in the business world, anyone who needs software um, as part of what they're trying to create with their job or organization, whether that's founding a company, whether that's being, you know, an entrepreneur inside an existing company creating a new, a new product or a new, um, you know, piece of tooling to, to enable a, their team. I see that as kind of like the, the audience we're really speaking to in, in the no code world. It makes a lot of sense. What makes you different um, bubble in terms of any other kind of no code platforms that might be out there? Yeah. Our focus has from day one always been on really, um, reproducing the power of code, right? Like where code is so exciting and why software has like had such a big impact on the world is it's a very open-ended medium and you can create basically anything, right? Like you look at all the like 
software-enabled companies out there. They're doing all kinds of things all over the map. And Bubble, um, you know, in the early days, we made some very explicit decisions that while we want to keep it simple and accessible, we also want to make sure it was as powerful as code and that we weren't sacrificing the kind of like flexibility and freedom. So, you know, I think a lot of no code tools are like aimed at a specific like niche or a specific problem. We're trying to be sort of a general purpose builder. And today we're mostly focused on web applications. So, you know, anything on a web page with like logic behind it. But within that space, um, you know, we let you do pretty much anything you can think of. I love it. I love it. Astri, did you want to jump in here? What's going through your mind yes. as you're listening? Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, first of all, I know that Bubbles was built uh, with a community around, or you have this sense of community. So I think Bubble is one of the biggest and greatest community of NoCo world. And I like to know. If you consider that a game changer, if Bubbles a community is um, like going to the world saying, hey, this is a new technology, a new way to do code, uh, come and, and try it. Is that a, like a, even a business strategy? It is important to, to Bubble? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. Like I could talk about our community for hours. I probably won't because we don't have that much time oh, let's together. Do, let's but... do. <laughs> Yeah, let's, uh, we, let's we actually <laughs> we had our uh, first ever uh, user conference last week, actually, um, with both uh, virtual and in-person attendance, and people traveled from all over the world. There was a huge um, Latin American contingent, a huge European contingent, a lot of people from the U.S. and North America, um, some people from Africa. Is just totally wild to me, like. Awesome how much people came together and um you know we we hosted the event because we believe that ultimately no code is going to spread via community right like whenever you start to explain no code to someone especially in the early days the reaction was always like that's not possible like you can't replace software not you know like disbelief and i think that the thing that changes people's minds is when you're your friend, your neighbor, your coworker sort of taps on the shoulder and goes like, look what I built, right? Um, so we see our community as absolutely essential to making the, the no code movement successful. Awesome. I love that. And can you, can you share with us like a really specific uh, project that a community builder um, built <laughs> on, on Bubble that you think exploded every bubbles capability like one um showcase you know to understand what bubble can do for us yeah like the this this is exactly why we exist is there something that super excites you a product that's come out from bubble yeah yeah totally um well so so one example was when the earthquake in turkey happened uh, a while back um like we had, I think, multiple users, but one in particular that like was really successful, um, jump on it and build apps to help coordinate like rescue efforts. And this is something that like, you know, it, normally like building a tool like that would like have taken months and it would have worked with like an emerging like situation like this, right? Um, but our community was able to like get things up in like, you know, a day or two, like, which is fast enough that like, is actually able to coordinate like real-time response and like make sure, you know, medical aid was gained to, to people um, needed. So like when we were watching that as like, you know, like 
in some ways that's not the typical case because it's not like a business or it's like targeted for like a specific world event but that was like a moment where i was like wow right like we have we have like sort of created this thing that's taken a life of its own and now it's like really letting people address the real problems in their lives for sure. You know, with that particular use case, what's coming to my mind is, you know, who the users are. We, we keep talking about, you know, entrepreneurs and creators. So in my mind, this means that I would need to have a significant level of knowledge, right, or subject matter expertise in order to build said product, right? Me coming in, Kim Lantis, would be like, wouldn't it be great if there's an app that could coordinate emergency rescue efforts? It would, but I wouldn't even have an idea of, of where to start. So what might be this like baseline? Like what are the types of people who come in or what are you seeing in terms of the knowledge and the subject matter expertise that they have before they even get started first, so to speak? Yeah, so most of our uh, most proficient users are at least like somewhat familiar with the technology world. Um, a lot of them will have had jobs like a product manager job or like a designer job or like an operations job or, you know, uh, like so something somewhat adjacent to the, the tech space so that, you know, they kind of understand software applications, user interface patterns, or at least a little bit. Um, although we have people who, you know, come in with almost no technical background at all, like there's definitely a range of people we've seen on on the tool. But I, I would say like familiarity is kind of like the the most common uh, base level. Um, in terms of technical skills, right? Like bub Bubble's a, a bit of a power tool. Like it's not um, like there's a learning curve. You, you don't like become an expert overnight. It takes like, you know, maybe a few days of playing around to like really get the, uh, the feel for what it's uh, capable of. But we find that like, you know, if you're like, you know, familiar with the internet, familiar with like, you know, Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel or like have used software like that, like usually you can uh, pick it up. That's that's really cool. And let's talk about I think we've got some. Qual I don't know if the right word is quality or um controversy, I think that might kind of come up. Do you want to talk to that a bit, Rebecca? Like, uh, what do you feel or what do you hear in the community? Well, I, I want to present in a scenario. So let's imagine that an entrepreneur who has launched their MVP on Bubble has gained a lot of traction and now is ready to scale. So it's in need of venture capital. However, this is like a perception that native code is superior to no code among investors and in general, right? So mm -hmm. my two questions are, uh, what new technology are you integrating into a bubble that could potentially dispel this perception? And if, well, and if this new technology can help the entrepreneurs to raise capital because building on bubble will be scalable like like every like a native code platform right mm -hmm. yeah great great question something that we get asked a lot by our users like you know we have a bunch of ambitious entrepreneurs many of them you know raise funding and you know so what what we've heard for them is um you know there are still definitely perceptions in like the vc community that like you know code is like the way to go but those perceptions have been starting to shift over time and 
we've had more and more customers successfully raise, you know, million dollar, you know, financing rounds. And each time that happens, it kind of like chips away at that perception a little bit. So I think there's, there's both a perception piece and a technical piece. Um, you asked about the technical piece. So I'll, I'll speak to that for a second. Um, the analogy I would use is Amazon Web Services. Back when it came out initially, people thought that serious technology companies needed to own their own data centers. That was kind of like the baseline. And Amazon Web Services was like good for helping startups get started, right? Um, and what happened over time is because Amazon, AWS had this whole company dedicated to improving their cloud hosting platform that eventually the quality surpassed what a team would build in-house in their own data centers. And you just got more reliable, you know, more scalable, more flexible, more cost-effective even um, than building out a data center in-house. And soon, you know, like, the industry switched and now like, you know, Fortune 500s sometimes still have their own data centers, but many Fortune 500s are doing a lot of their work in the cloud. Um, we're trying to do something very similar, right? Like in the early days, right? The perception of bubble was it was for startups, but as we invest in our platform and we're continuing to invest in, you know, the, the hosting, the way we manipulate and store data, the backend scalability, all these different things, each investment we make scales to all of our customers, right? So, you know, if you build in native code by yourself, you have your engineering team making improvements to your platform, it gets better over time. We're doing the same thing, except that our improvements compound for everyone who uses Bubble. And so a new person starting today isn't starting from the from the base, they're starting on top of all the work we've done for our other customers uh, so far to have like a really world-class platform. You know, you mentioned something just now, which is the back-end side. And uh, I am I'm not a no-code enthusiast until today. You're turning me right. I'm not the no-code enthusiast. I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as as Rebecca is. I haven't even played around with it. But what I imagine in my mind is that the front end piece is like the, the easier piece, right? Like I can make an app work. But the back end mm -hmm. side of like payment processing or I don't know reservations booking or inventory tracking or whatever is happening is is the hard part. So it still blows my mind that we're able to do all of those intricacies purely no code. Is that really where we're at? Or there's still some, you know, traditional coding aspects happening? Or what does that look like? How do you how do you grow this? How can I make an, a complete business in mm -hmm. a no code platform? Yeah, um, we have probably the majority of our customers. Um, don't need to write any code at all to have extremely sophisticated backends. And we're, ta we're talking about like payment processing. We're talking about like massive, like, you know, operations on tons of data. We're talking about like really complicated, sophisticated workflows. Um, so it is really doable. Um, we do have facilities for integrating with code because, you know, you can never cover 100% of all use cases on a, on a single platform. Um, so, you know, you can extend Bubble's capabilities by writing a custom plugin that sort of adds new features to the Bubble language on demand. You can connect to APIs to like hook into like other backend systems that were built traditionally. So there's a lot of things you can do to sort of extend the, the capabilities. But what we found is um, most users can at least build their V1 without uh, writing code at all. It's interesting. 
And is there like an inception here? Is Bubble, do you, are you using no code to build no code platform? Like how does this work for you? <laughs> no code inception. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we actually have a team at Bubble whose name is the uh, Meta Pod because they build Bubble in Bubble, which is kind of meta. Awesome. <laughs> um, so our, our, uh, Everything on our homepage, bubble.io, except for the core of the visual editor, like except for like the thing where you actually build the page, is built on Bubble. So our you know our homepage, our account management, our marketplace of like plugins and templates, you know our coaching portal, like all of that on our own webpage is built in Bubble. Awesome, that, that's super cool. And there has been a BubbleCon like the last week. Yeah. Yep, yep. And and you release many updates on the platform. I think mm -hmm. going to to make a change into the no code world. Can you tell us about the intersection between data logic and design and how everything is impacted by AI? Yeah, absolutely. The, the is... buzzword, right? Yeah. AI. Are we yeah. Say not just AI, but we need to say the AI. Generative guys. AI it's... component, right? <laughs> <laughs> generative AI, large language models. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's great. Um, we've been um, super excited by AI because uh, what we're trying to do is give people more expressive ways of communicating with computers, right? Like that's what Bubble is all about. And one of the frustrating things about communicating with computers is they're very literal, right? Um, so uh, AI sort of solves that literal problem. It finally gives you a way of talking to computers and have them sort of get what you mean, which is like super, super cool. Um, so the way we've been in sort of making it easier to talk to computers is by changing the vocabulary, right? Like traditional native code, you're talking in this very technical vocabulary, like CSS, HTML, servers, JavaScript, like all these like, you know, terms we're changing the vocabulary to talking in terms of like, you know, buttons, icons, users, you know, searches, right? Like the kinds of like vocabulary that is more intuitive to sound Korean. So when you combine the two, what you get is you telling the AI like, hey, I want an application that, you know, a social network for pets. And then the AI telling you, cool, well, here's your, you know, homepage, here's your news feed, here's, you know, so using the vocabulary of Bubble for the AI to communicate back and using sort of the generative technologies to let you talk to it. Um, so we're actively working on that. Um, we announced at BubbleCon that we'd be releasing uh, our first version uh, early uh, early next year, which is going to focus on helping with the design aspect of it, um, helping get users to like a really quick, pretty layout for their yeah. uh, applications, um, awesome. and then following up with functionality. On, when know, you say talking, you mean actual talking. Like I'm not choosing templates and clicking and dragging and filling in fields. Like I'm literally saying, I want it to look like this. Yeah, with like, like a prompt, right? Right, right, right. So, so what it's going to feel like is, you know, it'll pop up a screen and say, you know, welcome to Bubble. What would you like to build today? And you type in, well, I would like to build a, you know, social network. And then we'll be like, 
cool. Well, based on what you're saying, right? Like we think the, you know, the tone of your application should be this and here's some design options for you. Do you like them? And you could like type back and say like, well, I'd actually like it to be a bit more serious because we're for very serious, you know, dog walkers and we want to like express that. So then it'll like change the design accordingly. So, so th wow. there's going to be a little bit of a back end, uh, fourth and we're we're still evolving that like our our version one is probably going to be a little less dialogue based than our version two mm -hmm, and, and so on but that's that's the general feel for what we're creating i love it yeah. and the accessibility of this like not just for what you're saying the non-technical folks but for people maybe who are visually impaired or hearing impaired like whatever impairments we might have it actually opens up the universe for them i think to be able to build what they want to see in the world yeah, I think the the more the computer is able to understand your intent, the more mediums of communication um, you can use to communicate it, the broader the audience of people, um, regardless of any like barriers between them and creation, um, you know, can be sort of invited in, which I think is super exciting because the more perspectives you have on building technology, um, the the more sort of our digital landscape reflects its inhabitants versus reflecting like, you know, a small handful of people, which is kind of the mm -hmm. world we've unfortunately lived in today for the most part. For sure. On that note, what would you say to anybody who's on the fence here? Like this all sounds good and well, but I could never. How might yeah. you, is, is, is that the, who you're targeting or how does that pendulum sway? What might you say to those people? Yeah, what I tell them is I've had a bunch of conversations at BubbleCon with people who were just like them and who told me, you know, to my face last week, like, I never believed I was going to be able to do this. And now I'm, you know, I'm like a professional no code software developer. And like having seen those transformation stories and, you know, heard people's backgrounds and you know it's it's all over the place, right? I've talked to people who started in retail or fast food or, you know, like totally non-technical, non-software industries. Um, I can tell you that like, if you're on the fence, you know, give it a shot, right? Like there's people just like you ha who have become uh, software creators. I love it, thank you. And let's take it back to you a little bit, Josh, in terms of your own story. What sort of words of wisdom might you have for other, you know, these entrepreneurs or people who are building out their business? What have you found that worked really well for you? And what did you find that maybe you'd say, learn from me and, and don't do this? <laughs> yeah, um, I think in terms of things I just strongly encourage, um, know why you're creating a company. It's a big commitment like you know bubble has been the last 12 years of my life it's i'm a totally different person now than than when i started and the reason i've kept going is i believed in the world i wanted to create with it and met people and like actual you know real humans with real problems that like i wanted to help and having so that clarity around like bubble's mission is what sort of kept me going through you know sometimes very hard times, sometimes less hard times. Um, the thing I would um, 
give as like advice, like don't fall in my footsteps. Um, I think in their early days, um, I didn't like taking outside advice. And I think that partially helped me because a lot of told, people told me bubble was a bad idea and wouldn't succeed. So I'm glad I tuned that out. But I also, I think through the baby out with the bathwater and was too much reinventing the wheel, too much figuring things out from first principles, not listening to enough of like, how did other entrepreneurs solve these problems? Um, and I think it just cost a lot of time and effort that had I been more able to learn from others without, while simultaneously sticky, sticking to, you know, my guns in terms of the mission and what we're trying to accomplish, um, I probably could save myself a lot of pain and, and effort over the years. I think that that's very wise. You know, I think we have one um, more question, time for one more quick question, Rebecca, if you've got something that you'd like to hear from Josh now or never. Oh, you're on mute. Hi. Hi. Hi again. Hi. Josh, can you tell us about your plans uh, for expanding Bubble into Latin America? Ooh. Yeah. They, Great question. Not self-serving <laughs> at all. <laughs> just, just because. Mm -hmm. Just tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I think is personally really cool about Bubble is our user base is super international. Like some, you know, we're a US-based company and some US-based companies have primarily a US-based customer base. Not the case for us, I think. Last time I checked, the US was like less than less than half of our uh, business. Um, so we already have like a fairly... Um, strong like organic latin american community i know uh, brazil is a big country for us mexico is a big country for us um i think a few other countries in latin america have a pretty strong presence and what we'd like to do is sort of double down and lean in by working with the local communities more like spending you know maybe visiting them maybe giving them resources helping them organize meetups connecting them with you know local like we we've heard from people that they didn't realize there was like other people using bubbler who live who live you know nearby them and helping like sort of oh. create those connections for for the communities Awesome. Right. That sounds that sounds great. Well, we are at the end of our time together today, sadly. Josh but, and Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us here today on Dojo Live. Uh, we certainly wish you and the entire Bubble team nothing but success as, as you move forward and help all of those entrepreneurs and creators pop forward with the help of no code. Thank you. Uh, stick around for just a moment as we go off air. But we, before we do go off air, I would like to remind our viewers that we've got a show coming up tomorrow as well. That will be on Wednesday, the first day of November. And we're going to be speaking with Madison Rifkin, who is the founder and CEO of Mount. And we're talking all about, I love this term, wandering wisely with recreational assets. And the question that we'll be answering is how to travel with just a backpack and connect with the local community. So don't miss it tomorrow, right here in Dojo Live, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific. Bye for now. <laughs>